Hello, and welcome again to our Project RE3 worship gathering and online service. I want to say thank you so much to everyone who tuned in last week. Um, lots of views, lots of shares, some very nice comments. Uh, really appreciate that. We're, this is all new to us. Uh, we, we typically record our services and we put them out on our website. It goes into uh, podcast land, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those types of things. But doing this video thing is something brand new to us. So um, if nothing else, the virus has forced us to kind of step up and, um, to modern day and actually try some video streaming and things like that. So uh, just bear with us as we continue to work out the kinks. But thank you so much for taking the time to hopefully tune in again. So before we were uh, rudely interrupted by um, this virus and we kind of had to take a detour and address the situation and last week, you know, we talked about the virus of fear and kind of put a pin in our current series and, and kind of focused on that for a week. Now we're back and so we're in the midst of a brand new series that we started on the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter leading up. Um, to the Resurrection Sunday. And so every year this time, we really take time to kind of focus on Christ, the cross, what Easter means, getting our hearts and minds um, really into this season of Lent. And this year, we're taking a walk through the book of John and, and specifically looking at the I am statements of Jesus. You see, a lot of people think that Jesus, there's something mysterious about him, that, that maybe there's something um, that we just can't crack, that there's some kind of secret code. But I don't think that at all. Think about when you were growing up. Um, There's a game that was very popular called Guess Who? And if you remember the game at all, it was a two-player game, and, and one person would have um, you know, one board, and you kind of flip up about 20 people, and then another person would have another board, and, and they would flip up 20 people. And you kind of, what you would do is, is you would draw a card, and one of those 20 people would be you. And one of the other the person, the other person would do the exact same thing, and you would compete to see who could figure out who the other person was first? And it was simply guesses. And so they would ask yes, no questions like, you know, is your character a man? And if my character was not a man, I would say no. And then they would put down all the men characters, so all that was left was the women. So then the next time they may ask me, hey, does your character have blonde hair? And if I would answer yes or no, and whatever I said, they would put down. And you'd finally will it down to where they would be able to make an educated guess on who you would be. I think we treat Jesus like that a lot of times. Like we go through life like, like our relationship with Jesus or who Jesus is is like a game of guess who. Like we don't have a clue who he is or what's going on or what's he about. And Jesus wasn't like that at all. In fact, when you go through the book of John, Jesus was very deliberate in letting everyone know who he was. He started off and he would say things like, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, simply put, he was trying to teach them that the resurrection is not just an event. It's not just something that Jesus did. The resurrection is who he is. That he is the one that can bring life to us. That he is the one that can resurrect a soul and a heart that's been hardened. Dreams and hopes that have been uh, diminished or lost. He can bring us life. He is the resurrection. Not something he does, but who he is. Then the next week, we looked at Jesus as the good shepherd. You know, we listen to a lot of voices. A few weeks ago, my wife Beth did a message, and she talked about how 80% of what we tell ourselves in our head is negative. Well, that's not from the good shepherd. 
And so, so, so the other week, we focused on what it meant to follow the good shepherd, to follow his leading, to hear his voice. And now this week, another I am statement from Jesus. And it's found in John chapter 8, verse 12. And it says this. This is Jesus speaking. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you would right now, let me um, pray for you as you pray for me. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Um, We are obviously separated greatly by space right now. But God, you are not separated from us. Lord, this morning I pray that you speak to us, that the truth that is in your word, that right now that, that, man, I don't make this more confusing um, than you just simply were teaching who you are. God, I just pray, pray that we hear that, that we understand that, that we understand where we need to be. And my prayer right now, God, is that these words, that they challenge us, convict us, but they also heal us and draw us closer to you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I think one of the things that um, is inherently designed in, in everybody from the moment you're, you're, you're born and a small child is, for whatever reason, the fear of the dark. I mean, even adults still today are afraid of the dark. I mean, there, there's times when, you know, for whatever reason, my wife and kids will be gone uh, for the night. Maybe they're, you know, they're, they're doing something without me, and I'm home by myself. I still find myself going around the house, lock, making sure every door is locked. I, I check them three and four times. I cut on the home alarm. I go in my bedroom. I lock my bedroom door, and then I go to sleep. Because I don't know what's out there. Even though I know what's out there, in my mind, I feel like I don't really know what's out there. Because there's something about being scared of the dark. Last week, we were on a mission trip. I was, I was with a team, and we were in Jamaica. And, and sometimes when you're in um, countries like that, they kind of have these, uh, the power's not great. And so you might have the occasional power outage. And, on there, and so last week we were sitting down, we're eating, and everyone's laughing and talking, and the lights are on, and everything's going great, and all of a sudden, pitch black. And we sat there for what was probably, I don't know, four or five seconds, but it felt like a lot longer. And it was like immediately, like all the noise, all the talking, all the laughter, all the sharing, as soon as the lights went out, as soon as it went pitch black, you could hear a pin drop. I don't know about the rest of them, but... I know my heart started beating a little faster because we're in the dark. Well, then the lights came back on and we looked around and we just picked right back up where we were, laughing and talking because there's something about the dark that just feels wrong. But there's something about the light that gives us life. I mean, think about it. When God created everything, what was one of the first things that he did? He separated day and night. He separated the light from the darkness. When you read the scriptures, God is always referred to as the light. And Satan, the enemy, what is he referred to as? The prince of darkness. So even in the scriptures, you see this contrast of of light and dark, almost good and evil, hope and hopeless. So that's kind of where we pick up today. You see, Jesus read this, or he said this, he made this statement, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This was a message of hope. 
hope in someone's life that was living in darkness. See, if you back up a few, a few scriptures right before he said that, what you're going to discover is a woman. Now, this woman, I'm going to kind of bring you up to speed real quick, um, is actually found in the first part of, of John chapter 8, verse 2. It says, At dawn, he appeared again, he being Jesus, he appeared, he, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Now, we don't know what was going on there. Obviously, this is something that, um, you know, there's nothing that says that she denied it. There's nothing in here that says that she felt like she was entrapped or, or had been set up. You read this and, and you assume automatically that she knows she's guilty. Now, we don't know if she was married and cheating on her husband with someone else. We don't know if there was a married man that was cheating on his wife with her. But what we know is she had been caught. And so these, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they brought this woman to Jesus. And it says, they made her stand before the group. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So there she is. She's been caught. She's guilty. I mean, this is, when you read it, this is one of the Ten Commandments. This is one of the basic laws of Jewish culture. And as Jewish culture and laws would have it, probably one of the top three. It was punishable by stoning. And if you were stoned, you were going to die. Punishable by death. And so they grabbed this woman, and it just says that she was caught. And we don't know if she was actually caught in the moment and drug out of her house, out of the bed, into the street. Or if maybe they caught her and were just saving her to bring before Jesus, to kind of trap him. But whatever happened, they did, they brought Jesus in, they brought her to Jesus, and they say, look, here's a woman that's caught in adultery. What do you think we should do? Because the law says we should stone her. Now, the entrapment with Jesus comes in in this way. If Jesus was to say, yes, you're right, that's what the law says, let's stone her. You don't think they wouldn't have looked at Jesus and turned and, and especially looked at, at his followers and said, this is the man of love that you're following. This is the man of compassion. He wants to kill this woman. Or if Jesus had said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. She made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, it was wrong. But we don't need to stone her. Then they would have turned to Jesus and said, what do you mean? Are you going against the law of Moses? And then they would have turned to all of his followers and said, is this the man you're following, a man that can't even follow the laws of Moses? So there she was, guilty, standing before the Pharisees in the middle of the street. Surely a crowd had been around them at this point. She had to have been embarrassed, maybe the most embarrassing moment of her entire life. She knew she was in trouble. She knew death was probably going to happen. 
And her whole life rested on Jesus' answer. You know, that's kind of how we are at times. We, we do things in our lives. Um, let's say we lie, right? How, how many of you have lied this week? Raise your hand. I see hands going up all over the uh, virtual universe out there, right? Uh, how many of you in your life have, have stolen something? took something that wasn't yours. It could have been an office supply or maybe a candy bar from a store or maybe something greater. How many of you have lusted in your heart over someone that wasn't your spouse, someone that you knew was off limits? There's things that we do in our lives that honestly make us guilty. And what makes us guilty is the law. The law reveals our guilt. And that's exactly what was happening in this moment. This woman was in trouble. She had sinned. She had broke a law. And that law was revealing her guilt. There was no argument on her part. There was no excuses. There there was none of that. The facts were the facts. And we've all been there. Every single one of us has been there in that moment where we know we cross the line because we broke the law. Not just the law of the land, the law of our country, but the law of God. We know that what we said or what we did is not something that that God would be um, pleased with. We know that it goes against him and, and his teachings. So the law is important because it reveals where we're guilty. And that's where she stood. She was guilty. But what would Jesus say? We're going to pick up in verse 8. Actually, my fault. Pick up in the beginning of verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, what he wrote is kind of up for debate. The more universal, um, just kind of assumption of what was going on there was that he bent down and started writing the sins of the Pharisees that were around him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So the people who had pulled this woman to Jesus, the people who were wanting Jesus to give them an answer, do we stone her or not? Is she guilty or not? Jesus just gently bent down and started writing. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. See, Jesus knew everything. He already knew knew what this woman did long before they brought her to him. And if it stands to reason that if he knew about her, He knew about them. 
He knew exactly what he was writing. He knew exactly what he was asking them to do. That, hey, if any of you are without sin, and let me stop right there, because when you examine this in the Greek a little bit deeper, that phrase, without sin, it actually means not even just without actually doing it. It actually means without even wanting to do it. So what Jesus was saying is, is look, if any of you are without sin or even a desire to sin, Go ahead. Here's some rocks. Be the first one to throw it. Be my guest. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up, and he asked her, woman, where, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. You see, if the law reveals our guilt, the love reveals God's grace. We are guilty. We've broke the law many, many times. But God's love, Christ's love for us, reveals his grace. By grace, he was looking at this woman, and he says, yes, you sinned. Yes, you broke the law. But you are not what you did. But that's not how we feel, is it? Because if we're really honest, there's times in our lives that um, all we can think of are the things of our past. The times we've lied or stolen, the times we've lusted, the times that, that, that we've said things that we wish we hadn't. We did things we know were wrong. Relationships that we wrecked, trust that we broke. All of these things. And so all that we hear in our minds is, is being condemned over and over and over by a voice. And what we believe most of the time is that voice is from God. But if you look at the scriptures, Revelation chapter 12 calls Satan the accuser. Not God. He is the, God Satan is the author of lies. He is the accuser. You see, we've all failed. But the fact that we failed doesn't make us failures. We are not what we did. We are not our past. The law may reveal our guilt. It may reveal our sin. But God's love reveals his grace. Now, what Jesus said to her is, look, I, I don't condemn you. This, this act of condemning is, is different than forgiveness. Condemning is, is, is sitting down and saying, there's no hope for you. That what you did is a death sentence. Forgiveness says, there's a way out. Jesus was telling her in that moment, there's a way out. That right now, 
may be the darkest moment of your life. So dark that you can't imagine a way out of this. Have you been there? Maybe physically, outside, maybe in your home, the lights go out, you're looking around, you can't see anything, and in that moment, you're like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? And I think you've probably also been there spiritually. We've all made those mistakes where we feel like there's no second chance. There's no coming back from this. Our life is dark. And in the darkness, we feel hopeless. If the law reveals our guilt and the love reveals God's grace, then the light reveals hope. Jesus spoke again to the people. This is immediately after this conversation. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I want to point out something because I skipped a verse there on purpose. When he told this woman, I'm not going to condemn you. He didn't just let her off the hook. He didn't just say, hey, look, I, I know your past. I know that, that you grew up without a father and he walked out on you and now you have you know, issues with men and you're trying to, trying to you know, maybe gain those relationships through inappropriate relationships. He didn't give her a way out. He didn't say, hey, look, I know that, that man, you know what? I, I, I know that you, know, just, you can't help but gossip. And I, and I know that's just in you and, and I'll forgive you, but, but yeah, so it's going to come back again. He didn't say, hey, look, I know that, you're, that you have a problem with just stealing. Not just uh, physical stealing, but stealing people's hopes just with negativity. And look, I'm going to forgive you for that, but I understand it's going to come back. And, and I'll keep, no. Jesus didn't do any of this. He didn't give her a way out in, in giving her an excuse. He said, I'm not going to condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Some versions say, you know what? Go and leave this life of sin. And she had to have been thinking, how? How am I going to leave this? How is anything going to get better? And Jesus turned to everyone who was still there. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's not talking about the physical. And she knew that. Because she understood that Jesus wasn't just saying, I am the light of the world. He knew that he looked her, and I can just imagine Jesus bending over, just putting his hands under her chin, looking into her face and saying, I am the light of your world. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore. I am the light of your world. And if you walk with me, then you will experience the light of life. And maybe that's where you're at this morning or this evening, this afternoon. 
or in your car or sitting at your desk or at your dining room table or whenever it is and wherever it is that you're hearing this. Maybe you just need to hear right now that Jesus is not just the light of the world. He is the light of your world. That yes, the law reveals our guilt, but God's love reveals his grace. And the light, ah, the light reveals hope. This woman walked away feeling something that maybe she hadn't felt in a long time. And that was hope. She understood where she was. She understood the darkness of her life. And then someone, not just anyone, but the Son of God looked at her and said, you have value. Leave this life of sin. Step out of the darkness and into the light. I'm going to leave you with a verse from Micah 7-8. It says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I have fallen. I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. My prayer for you right now is that that's something that you can grab onto in your own life. That just because you may be in darkness right now doesn't mean that there's not a light that you can cling to. That there's a light that you can run to. And I'm talking about the light of life. The light of hope. Again, Micah 7-8. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, and we all have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. That's my prayer for you. Wherever you're at, wherever you feel like life is hopeless right now, in the darkness, there is light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of your world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Thank you.